Welcome to the Pixels and in Ink podcast. This is the show where we bring you the best tips, tactics, and strategies for using multi-channel marketing to dramatically boost your leads and sales. From the top sales and marketing minds across agencies, print service providers, and enterprise marketers, you'll hear what's working and not working so you can be on the cutting edge without having to empty your wallet in the process. All right, here are your hosts, Mackenzie Farshid and Dave Rosendahl. Oh, yeah. We're back. <laughs> We're back. Hey, Mackenzie, how are you? Another day, another dollar. Uh, hopefully more than a dollar, baby. <laughs> we need more than that. But uh, guys and girls, you're in for a treat today. If you want to learn more about social media specifically and how you can integrate that into your multi-channel campaigns, as you know, we're in the midst of a series here where we're talking about various digital media and how you can pull all of those together. Today's really a treat because you're going to learn a couple of things specifically about social. One is you're going to get some great data to support the use of social media in campaigns. Yeah, so back in the day, social media used to be just family, friends. I remember I started it in college, yep. uh, but now it's completely different. I mean, it does have that component, but it also has the business aspect, and it's a great tool to leverage for lead generation, connecting with customers, prospects, and all of that alike. And our guest, who we're going to introduce here in just a moment, is also going to share with you three opportunities within social media, specifically if you're looking to generate leads, which heck, a lot of us are, right? Yep. We're demand generation marketers. So you're going to learn more about that. And what, Mackenzie? The best day, time, and place to post. That's right. So that's probably a question that you've asked yourself if you've been using social media for any time. Hey, when should I do this? Uh, what time of day should it be? What day of the week should it be? Well, you're going to get some expert insights. So who are we talking about today? So today we're talking to Brian over at Buffer. So if you guys and gals haven't heard about Buffer, it's awesome. Um, we love Buffer. And I know many people out there on the internet do too. People rave about them, but it's basically a powerful and really easy to use tool that allows you to manage your social media postings across all channels. Um, so you can schedule the posts, mm -hmm. you can do them now, um, you can stagger them, and basically you have complete control over them. It's free in some instances, and you have access to all of the analytics. And so today we're talking to Brian Peters, and he's the marketing and social media manager for Buffer. Yep. And a very interesting guy. He's got a lot of experience with content, digital, social media, and uh, uses all of those skills uh, in his role at Buffer and brings some really unique insights to the conversation here. Yeah, he's got a lot of great answers and insight to share. So you want to make sure to tune in, listen to the entirety of the episode. And also they've got their own podcast over there at Buffer. It's called The Science of Social Media. And it's a podcast for marketers and of course, social media managers looking for inspiration, ideas, results. Basically, it is like a Pixels and ink, but for the social media world uh, entirely. Must be cool then. <laughs> Must be great. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's go hang out with Brian. Let's do it. All right. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Well, we're glad to have you, Brian. Uh, let's start by telling us a little bit about yourself in Buffer, what you do there, and also a little bit about yourself outside of work. So things like uh, family or hobbies, uh, you know, interests that you have outside of work. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to. So, uh, Brian Peters, I am the digital marketing strategist here at Buffer. I've been with the company for about a year. Uh, I do lots of different things at Buffer, but mainly focusing on social media, podcasting, and video marketing. So, try to get my hands in a little bit of everything, which keeps work fun, which I love to to do. And then, outside of work. I am actually currently nomading with my wife, Caitlin. We both work remotely. And so those of you who have, may not have heard of the word nomading before, we've actually lived in about six different cities in the last six months. So 
Yeah, yeah. So we like to travel around and live in different cities, Vancouver, San Diego, Chicago. Um, for, for fun, I surf, run, climb. I try to stay outdoors as much as possible because I, I find myself in front of a computer most of the day. So. so, Brian, you don't have any kids, I take it. Is that right? I do not. Okay. No, I don't think that would be possible. <laughs> yeah, that would that. be yeah. a little hard. <laughs> so for listeners who may not know about Buffer, besides what we gave them in the intro, can you explain at a high level what Buffer is, what you guys aim to do, and what the challenges um, that you aim to solve are? So our our boilerplate is that we want to help give businesses and people a greater voice on social media. So what we offer is super intuitive scheduling, um, along with some of the best analytics in the industry f uh, for social media. So, you know, if you want to schedule all your posts to social media so that they go out at certain times, that's what we offer. And then you can also check out how those posts do on social media. Um, what's really cool and, and intriguing about Buffer is that we're really focusing on building a workplace of the future. And so what I mean by that is a lot of our time and effort is is spent thinking about how we think about work so you know perks and benefits and family leave and remote working and all of that stuff so we have this great social media software platform but we also have this great culture and uh, work life that we are also focusing on as I guess a part of our business which makes our business what it is so yeah so I'd like to dig into that a little bit I, I was having a conversation with somebody on on social for uh, on Twitter with with I think uh, I forget the lady's name that I was talking to and I was engaging your Twitter account because I am so intrigued by your culture and it comes through like in everything like when McKinsey signed you know got you ready for the show and everything uh, she was just saying it was just like nuts you guys were like hi you were like so every happy person I yeah. spoke to you just won the lotto <laughs> which I think is amazing so, so tell us, yeah. uh, what is it about your culture and what is it that you're trying to do internally? What is Buffer doing internally to create that kind of experience that I bumped into on Twitter that McKinsey found in email and that is obvious in your product? You know, it's funny. We get that a lot. And I think it really starts with the executive team. So Buffer was founded about six years ago. And from the very moment they founded Buffer, our co-founders, Joel and Leo, since the moment they founded Buffer, they decided, okay, we're going to have a, a set of values. And they, you know, we call them our Buffer values. They include positivity, transparency, not having, you know, not bringing your ego to work, listening, reflecting, et cetera. So everything we do is within that framework. So of the Buffer values. And that becomes a super important when we're talking about hiring new employees. So there's a fairly rigorous hiring process here at Buffer. And a lot of it's looking for talent and skill, obviously, because we want people to be able to fulfill the role we're looking for. But honestly, a majority of made is made up of culture fit and do will these people fit in a buffer? So it's not like we, you know, there's no magic Kool-Aid. I honestly think that buffer just hires people who are naturally like that. So I think that just um, is shown in kind of all of our messaging and, and marketing and all the things that we put out there. Well, we love it. I know everyone on the internet that we run into via ads or, or different social media platforms love it. So keep it up. And um, it's definitely well, showing you. in your guys' attitude and your communication as well as your product. So 
Um, I know for a long time, you know, social media was something that was just that, right? Social, so family sharing. I know I started it back in college um, as a way to, you know, upload photos and share that kind of stuff. But now there's clearly been a shift. And so um, social media is becoming increasingly relevant to marketers. And so I would love for you to just give us some data that supports the importance of integrating social media into your marketing strategy, if you have some. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share that. And I think you make a great point there and, and it's becoming relevant for marketers and businesses. But I think the key thing is, is that you marketers and businesses don't want to stand out like a sore thumb on social media. They want to be a part of the audience and a part of the conversation in a natural way. But in terms of statistics, yeah, I actually was reading this article the other day. It was pretty mind blowing. I read that there's 7.3 billion living people on earth and 2.3 billion of those people are actually active on social media. Um, I, yeah, it's incredible. Like that's just like was like okay, social media is obviously an important role in our society for businesses, for marketers. Like Facebook has 1.7 billion monthly active users. Instagram's about to hit a billion. Um, but I, I think the hardest part is understanding that the the role social media plays in growth and like business growth. So where do or where does it fit in for businesses and marketers? Um, I was also reading a stat in that same article that 50% of businesses active on social media can't tie their social media marketing activities to ROI. Mm. But studies have shown again and again how important social media is in consumers purchasing decisions. So you have on one hand, businesses can't tie it to ROI, but studies and intuitiveness shows that social media does fit in with the purchasing decision. So. I think it really get, boils down to understanding why you're on social media as a business. So if it is to drive sales, that's kind of how you measure success. Um, if it's just for you know typical things like brand awareness, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to ask me this later in the show, but yeah, it just kind of depends on the why it, you're on social media in the first place. So Brian, in your position there at Buffer, I think you have, I would imagine you have the vantage of uh, being able to look out across thousands of companies and see kind of what they're doing. Could you kind of just uh, put in a few buckets for us what kinds of work people are doing in social media? As you said, is it branding? We're very interested in lead gen. A lot of our listeners are looking to generate leads and, and drive sales. But can you just kind of put them in a few buckets in terms of kind of just the general things that you see people doing with social? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. If you would ask me that question two years ago, I think I would have said it's for traffic generation in order to drive leads. And okay. I think lead generation is still an important part. But if you would ask me this two years ago, I would have said uh, social media is best used to drive traffic. I think we're in a very different social media space now. Um, and there's, I think, two buckets it, that have become very, very important for brands to focus on for social media. Number one is brand awareness, like I just said. Um, Social media is really, really becoming a content destination of its own. And what I mean by that is social media used to be a means to an end. Like you would put all the content that you create for your website or videos off the site and you would use social media to drive people mm -hmm. to your owned assets. Now, social media is a place to go and for, for people to consume content on these individual platforms. So rethinking the way we're using social media and not just using it to put out our blog posts on social, but to actually create content that's native to the platform, that looks good on the platform, that people can enjoy and consume there. That's part of that brand awareness bucket. I think the second thing is, 
and this is being shown more and more as younger generations become, I guess, decision makers on social media, and that's customer service. There's a lot of studies out there showing that millennials and younger generations will go to social media if they have questions, they have concerns about a product, they want refunds. Social media is becoming the number one place for people to reach out to companies. So it used to be, and then uh, along with that is obviously lead generation because if you're creating these conversations with, with customers through brand awareness and customer service, that gives you so many one-on-one -on -one situations where you can deliver content or products or offers or promotions to those people because you've created a relationship with them. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I find myself more and more going to social media to get customer service. I know I had a, qu a technical question even about our equipment that we had here. Mm -hmm. And I went um, right. to social media and I went on a forum board and I asked and I had actually d done it two ways. I went to their actual customer support on their website and filled out a ticket. Did you get a response? I did get a response, okay. but it was not, uh, it didn't actually answer the question that I was asking. Potentially, I wasn't asking the most uh, efficient <laughs> way, who knows. Okay. But right. then I went and I posed the question in a forum board on Facebook and two people actually from their team responded to me and I got my question and they were going to answer it right away. You okay. know what I mean? So yep. I, I, that's a great point you bring up because I notice you get quick service and you get directly to the point. And then also you get other customer feedback, which is really good because then it's more of a collaborative environment. One thing you said there, right. Brian, that I'd like to d dive into just a little bit more deeply before we move on is the idea of the content on these platforms expressed in such a way that it fits well for that platform. In other words, the, the content is there native to the platform, which is different than like what we might have on our, our website or on our blog. So could you just give us an example of what that looks like, let's say in Twitter versus Facebook? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, and that's, I'm glad you asked that because I, I know I was a little vague with that before, but like video is a great example okay. of content that's sitting within platforms. So it, before you would probably just link on Twitter to a YouTube video or to a, a video on your website. Now, out, the algorithms are working in a way, and I'm happy to get in the algorithms if, if y'all want to, but these social media algorithms are working in a way where if, if Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or one of these platforms identifies the fact that this is off-site content, this, the data is showing the fact that less priority is giving to those. And I think it was most apparent with Facebook when they basically said, we're not going to show YouTube links as much as we would another natively post video on Facebook. So these platforms through their algorithms are making a push to have people stay on their platform. And that's what I mean by that. So marketers can kind of interpret that how they want, but yeah, it's, it's becoming to where Facebook wants you to stay on Facebook and Twitter wants you to stay on Twitter. So now that we talked kind of about where people are using it, where, do you see any other areas where there's huge opportunities for marketers to leverage social media to connect with their prospects or customers? Yeah, so I just touched on video, and obviously that's a big one going into 2017 and obviously beyond. There's a great quote at F8 last year, and the F8 conference is coming up, and that's the Facebook annual conference, where Mark Zuckerberg said by 2019, 90% of content on Facebook will be video, which I thought wow. was incredible because I don't even, I can't even imagine a Facebook where 90% of content is video, but that just kind of points to the importance of creating video. And if, if I could give you one tidbit about video, it's don't worry about perfection, start creating it now. And it doesn't take a whole lot of money to get started. You can, you can use your iPhone and just a, some cheap microphone and, and tripod equipment. So I think the other two things I would probably say is that 
along with the Facebook thing is that Facebook and Instagram ads are huge right now in terms of the low cost it takes to use them and then the ROI that businesses are seeing. So we actually put out a, a blog post on our Buffer blog that showed the results of what $5 a day did for our Facebook advertising efforts. And if one of your goals is to drive traffic, you can just boost your best posts or your best blog posts. And what we're seeing is we, we use, we spend about 30 to $40 per day boosting our Facebook posts. And we're seeing 60 to 70,000 reach just based on 40 bucks a day. You know, if we run that over a period of a couple days. So I think that's the second one is Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising are providing huge ROI. And then obviously we kind of touched on this for a second there and, and, the stat that kind of pops out to me is that only one in five businesses are using social media for customer support. And like you both just alluded to, that's obviously becoming more and more important as businesses are active on social and as younger generations become decision makers. Awesome. And so, I mean, I just, I think it's great because I like how these different social media sites are, you know, for me, the way I think about it, when you say, for example, video, the first thing that popped into my mind was, okay, so social media is meant to connect people. But I think for a while there, it almost became a disconnection of human ver you know, it kind of became more of this computer interaction. It was typing, it was text. And now it's like, okay, maybe this is disconnecting us from human to human interaction, but actually mm -hmm. now we're kind of making it back to personal. We're doing videos, live streams. I mean, I know I've been seeing a lot of marketers using these live, you know, Facebook uh, videos and things like that so that it's actually bringing it that personal human to human interaction via social media, which has traditionally been kind of removed from the personal interaction. Oh, absolutely. I think that is one of the most important points about creating video. And it's funny too, because like me, Brian, I'm just an employee of Buffer. I'm not Buffer. I'm not the CEO or co-founder. But people are digging when I when I go on Instagram Live or I do Instagram Stories or Facebook Live. It's they could put a face to the company. You know, when we market as Buffer, it's not nearly as effective as if there's a Brian or an Ariel or a Bonnie behind that. So that's a good segue to the next set of questions we have here. A lot of our listeners are performance marketers, they're demand generation people that are looking to generate leads and uh, drive inbound interest uh, for a product or for a service. So from what you've seen at, at Buffer, both in your own role there at Buffer, as well as across your customer base, are there a few things that you think are working well for lead generation? So this is a great one. It's funny too, because a lot of the lead generation tactics over the years haven't really changed though maybe algorithms and social media strategies have changed in terms of social like driving leads from social media it all has to do with the content that you're creating off of social media so i know i already talked about the native content on social media but if you're really looking to drive leads um, we're seeing a lot of businesses find success with the traditional lead generation tactics like offers and ebooks white papers industry studies, webinars, videos, blog content, um, etc. So you have to be creating great content off of social media if you're going to use social media as a way to generate leads. Um, for example, last year we had uh, we did something we like to call a week of webinars where a whole week we did a YouTube live webinar every single day and we used our email list, social media channels and blog content to promote this week of webinars 
And then, and then what we did is we hosted the webinar on social media itself, and that worked really, really well. I think we ended up getting over 5,000 leads from that. We had a landing page. If you're looking to drive leads on social media, you have to be willing to create the off social media content and be willing to just do the traditional lead nurturing stuff. So, so put another way, are you saying that it's really not that much different than it was a year ago, than it was five years ago, or maybe even 10 years ago? the the thing that matters is the quality of the content that you're sharing across these networks exactly exactly right and the only thing that might have dramatically changed over the last two years i would say is just the amount of organic reach that businesses are seeing so instead of creating an ebook with a landing page and putting it out on social media and seeing a decent amount of organic traffic a lot of businesses are finding that they're having to put money behind those social media posts in order to get the same reach. But yeah, yeah, I think the lead nurturing tactics have to stay the same. Just the way you go about promoting them and sharing them on social media have changed. So Brian, you mentioned that at Buffer, you often will boost those posts uh, in order to gain a little bit extra reach. So a kind of practitioner question here for you. Do you notice any difference in efficacy uh, w with using a boosted post versus creating a campaign in Facebook and uh, using an ad, if you will, that's not a boosted post, but an ad to drive traffic to the same content. Do you know what I'm getting at? Oh, yes. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So I'm going to start with a quick why we do bo boosted posts, and then I'll answer your question. So okay. we found we don't do traditional lead nurturing stuff here at Buffer. Like we don't create landing pages. It goes a little bit far further back than that, but we don't have a sales team either, so we we're not really sure what we would do with those leads. So we've identified the fact that our blog converts 3% of all visitors, which is huge. So our blog is the number one lead conversion tactic that we have. So 3% is so the lead it, conversion. 100 people visit, exactly, you get three leads. Okay. Exactly, exactly. So we get three buffer trialists who we then put into our product and hopefully eventually convert to a buffer for business user. Um, the reason we promote blog content and not your traditional ad campaigns like you referred to is that we want to spend money where we're getting leads. And that's an obvious point, but we've identified the fact that our blog converts and so we want to put money behind that as opposed to doing, hey, sign up for buffer for business where we might see a way higher cost per acquisition. Now, if you're a company that has a traditional sales funnel where you have landing pages and, and lead nurturing campaign and a sales team, it might make a lot more sense to actually create a campaign like you mentioned behind a webinar or an ebook and go that route. We just identified that the blog content it performs best for us and that's why we, we boost posts as opposed to campaigns. Interesting. That's perfect. Awesome. Great insight. Um, and so now I'd like to kind of take this a step further and talk about if there's any differences between B2B versus B2C, because I know we definitely have um, a lot of listeners who are B2B, but then we also have listeners that are B2C. And so I was just wondering from your vantage, is the use of social media in businesses um, different with respect to lead generation if you are in B2B versus B2C, or are they the same? Yeah, you know what? I that's a really good one. I think, I think the channels that you use on social media might be dramatically different. Like for example, if you're a B2B with a big expensive enterprise software system or whatever it may be, LinkedIn is probably going to be your best bet because that's where CEOs spend the majority of their time. Now if you're a B2B who has a smaller, maybe more fun product, you might find that Pinterest or, or Facebook works just as well. Um, 
the only difference is Mackenzie, like you mentioned, is is there's just a, a bit of a difference in life cycle for these customers. So you're not going to convert an enterprise customer B two B with a Facebook post, but what you might do is target your posts to people who have visited your website using Facebook pixels or email lists mm -hmm. and build that relationship over time. Um, I think with B2C it's a lot more fun in a way because you can you can skip a lot of that stuff and you can kind of go for actionable content offers like uh, promotions or deals or giveaways which ha which converts B2C customers at a much quicker rate. Um, and then that's where the brand awareness side of things becomes super important. Um, you know, customer reviews, great customer service, word of mouth, and advertising play a big role. So, yeah, I think it's just the channels where you spend a majority of your time and effort differ greatly with B2B and B2C. But I think the overall, I guess, content marketing strategy is relevant for both. So, Brian, at Buffer, I assume you not only boost your post to drive awareness, but you also use retargeting? Or are you saying you exclusively focus on uh, boosting posts? Oh yes, that's a, I love that. So we do use the Facebook retargeting and email retargeting for certain campaigns. So like I, like I mentioned with the week of webinars, we targeted a group of website visitors and also an email list to come sign up for our webinar or week of webinars campaign. So we'll use the Facebook pixels a lot less frequency than we will just boosting posts. But we definitely have Google Analytics and Facebook Pixel set up on our website just in case we do need to pull from those audiences. Okay. Makes sense. So the next question we have here is one that I think uh, a lot of people ask us certainly here at MindFire. And I'm sure you hear it a lot. I know that it's somewhat baked in or built into your product. Um, and it's, a, it's the question around how often should we be posting content? Uh, what time of day should we be posting that content? And does the answer to that question, those two questions vary by network? Uh, network meaning like uh, Pinterest versus LinkedIn versus Facebook. So, Brian, what would you say is the answer to that if there's one magical answer? Yeah, so <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to go ahead and say there's no magical. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. But I will... Okay, let me, let me caveat that and I'll give you some, give you some takeaways. So... <laughs> I would say that there is no magic time to post, but their good content will always surface to the top. So first thing you're going to want to do is think quantity or sorry, quality over quantity. But and I'd also recommend one of two things. Try posting so you can go into your Facebook insights and this is a great tip for those marketers on Facebook. Go into your Facebook insight and check out the little graph that they have when most of your audiences are, are online and do two experiments. Number one, post a post that, you know, post a quality post when all of your, when all of your fans are online. Then try a second experiment, post a quality post when the least amount of fans are online. What we're finding and a lot of experience that I've done on the Buffer page is that the weird times are working incredibly well. So we're talking 12 to 3 a.m. Uh, Instagram stories going live at 10 p.m. Uh, Instagram posts at 9 p.m. Twitter posts at 3 a.m. I think our best time on Twitter right now is 3 a.m. Oh. Our best time on Facebook right now is 3.59 a.m. So well, you, mean, you mean Pacific time? 
Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Pacific Standard Time. Okay, so, so here on the West so Coast. So three fifty nine. So when you say weird, do you mean specifically it's weird because it's it's early like in the morning, or because it's it's fifty nine or fifty eight? Define weird for us. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird because I know a lot of our audience is not on Facebook. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe I shouldn't make that assumption, but I know the the peak of our audience is online, according to Facebook Insights, mm -hmm. at twelve p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So. Uh, rational thinking would say, okay, let's post at 12 p.m. But the problem is, is that everybody's posting at 12 p.m. Mm. So what you have is a content influx. So what I decided to do is, okay, I'm going to post at the opposite of that and see what happens with these new algorithms. And this is what I am loving about today's age of social media is, like I said, good content will always surface. So it doesn't matter what time you post at because if you get just a few people who are online to like your post right off the bat, that's going to send positive signals to to the social media algorithms, and that's going to want it to share, or that's going to allow it to share and be seen more often on social. So, all I'm looking for, honestly, you guys, is just a couple likes right off the bat. And if you post at the peak times, it's going to be hard to compete for those likes. Saturated area, yeah. So do the unordinary, listeners. I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna give that a go over here. Yeah, put that on a T-shirt. Do the or a sweatshirt. Yeah, we could. And then if we do, we'll send you one, Brian. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And I also, you know, I think it's interesting because that's something that I wouldn't have necessarily thought of. You know, you think about okay, we want to post at these times that are the quote-unquote best times, but you're absolutely right. Then you're competing for the eyes of people, and especially like at that time, 12 noon, maybe people are on lunch. I don't know what they're doing, but they're probably busy. You know, they've got a lot going on, and so it's a good mm -hmm. point that maybe posting outside of those at the quote-unquote weird times will give you more uh, screen share, more eye share, I guess I should say with that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's scary too, right? Cuz let's say you let's say you take 20 hours to create a video. Like I'm not going to be like, you know, I'm going to post at the worst time possible. Yeah. You know, no one wants to do that or say that and they definitely don't want to tell their boss that. So, I would what I would suggest is just do a couple of experiments. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and put your, you know, the, a video you're working on for 10 days out there on that time. But, but yeah, I would I would encourage you to do a couple of experiments out there. So Brian, in your product in Buffer, I know that you have the tool that allows you to analyze uh, based on, well, that's actually my question. When, when, when you run in your tool, the analysis to figure out what time of day you should be posting for a particular channel, is that based on our company's interactions and, and our historical patterns, or is that based on a general set of data? Yeah. So that is based on the amount of interaction that the company has seen historically based on their own set of data. So okay. yeah, the last thing we want to do is maybe create a general set of rules. So we try to do our best to identify the times that are working best for that company. Got it. Perfect. So we work with a lot of service providers and we have a lot of listeners that are service providers. So meaning printers, marketing service providers, uh, direct marketing companies, agencies. And I was wondering if you could give any advice for these companies that are providing marketing services to their customers in terms of social media. So is there anything or tips and tricks that you have that they can do to generate revenue uh, for their customers? Yeah, so I'll try to answer this one as best as I can without giving the depends on the product answer. Mm -hmm. So first of all, even though a lot of people talk about how they're just vanity metrics, it's important to provide the vanity metrics. And what I mean by the vanity social media metrics, like providing things like engagements, likes, comments, shares, traffic, all the things that a lot of people are first to 
dismiss as a, as a metric, but I still think they're very, very important because it, it shows an overall sign of health in your okay. social media program. Um, so definitely provide those first because I think those are very important. Then you can say, okay, we drove 1 million engagements in 2017 and 100,000 visits from social media to your blog. So we drove 100,000 visits traffic-wise. Your blog converts just like we talked about with the buffer blog. Your blog converts at a 3% rate, so we can make some assumptions there. Mm -hmm. um, but the best way to go, obviously, for uh, service providers is that you have to have Google Analytics and Facebook Pixels at the minimum set up because if you don't have that, um, it's very, very hard to tie social media to directly to ROI because what happens, and if you ever looked at, at Google Analytics data, is that social media ends up getting lumped in with referral or other traffic. And it's very frustrating. I know how it can be, and it's, it's hard to prove that. So what you just have to be diligent about tracking everything, so making sure all of the links that you send out with social media have Google UTM set up on them, be diligent about tracking those campaigns in like a spreadsheet and just make sure that everything you do and all the work that you do on social media is trackable. But the hard truth is that at the end of the day, social media is not going to get the last touch conversion attribution. Um, and that's just kind of how it is. And, and so maybe one of the things that I always recommend to like our clients, like agencies and service providers is just set that understanding from the beginning. And so if your client wants to say, okay, I'll drive a million dollars from social media and ROI, that might not be possible because of other things like first touch and last touch and getting into that. But yeah, I, I'd say that just being diligent with, with all of your analytics, Google Analytics, setting up UTMs is, is super important if you really, really want to track ROI. So the agencies that you work with, Brian, that, that use Buffer, how do you see them charging their customers for this kind of management? Yeah, so coming into Buffer, I was I was actually a bit shocked. Not shocked because the shocked in the sense that there's a wide spectrum of costs associated with social media. I've seen agencies charge anywhere from a thousand dollars a month to manage social media channels to ten thousand dollars a month for social media services. And what I've seen is a, a lot of the times what they're doing is they're just posting the social media. Um, so if you can set it up where you have a proven track record for understanding how social media fits and how it can provide ROI like we just talked about, like if you have that set of systems or rules down, then you can charge a lot more going into the situation. But if you're just a freelancer or someone starting out, um, it might be a little tough of a sell. But yeah, I've seen anywhere from, I mean, I said a thousand, but anywhere from three hundred a month to ten thousand a month for okay. social media management. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think that's a great point. So, listeners, I, I hope that you heard those numbers and your ears perked up, or you're thinking, "Yeah, it's great, I do that," because I think that people say, oh, well, you know, social media, and they underestimate the time, energy, and the value from a business standpoint that it actually brings. And so for service providers out there that are doing multi-channel campaigns, you know, maybe they're doing email, direct mail, along with some other web um, channels, if social media is part of the strategy, which clearly based on the statistics and the success that it brings, it should be, then make sure to show the value of that to your customers. And things like that are not free. You know, if you're driving mm -hmm. ROI yep. and you're driving revenue and creating leads via social media, that's not free. You know, don't underestimate yourselves. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. And, and just something as simple as sitting, setting up a Facebook ads campaign. I mean, that is super time consuming. If you want to have a successful Facebook ads campaign, you have to A-B test several different variables. And that takes time. So 
Yeah, definitely does. So, Brian, you're one of uh, many experts, certainly probably at the top of the list of the experts um, that we're bringing into this series around how to integrate multiple digital channels uh, into one campaign, if you will, to achieve objectives that a marketer's looking, uh, marketer is looking to achieve. And so what I'm wondering uh, from you and everything you've seen at Buffer, do you have any examples or any stories around how folks are using social media through Buffer and combining that with other channels, let's say email or direct mail, uh, things of that nature, and combining or orchestrating these media together to achieve their objectives? Any insights or any stories or any anecdotes that you can share from your experience there? Yeah, that's a good one. So first of all, I'll just start by saying only spend time on the social media channels that are going to make a direct impact. So when you're thinking about multi-channel campaigns, the number one thing to remember is that you don't have to be everywhere. And so focusing on the channels that actually make a difference on social media is super important. Um, so I'll, I will give an example. So we have various sports teams that I won't name specifically, but NFL teams that we're very proud to have as customers here at Buffer. And it's funny because you would think that a, a professional NFL sports team would be on every single social media channel and crushing it on every single social media channel. But even the biggest companies like this sports team are f still focused on a small amount of social media marketing tactics that they can be really, really good at. Because like we talked about in the previous question, social media marketing takes time. And if you want to have a great social program, it takes time. So what we've seen is identifying the channels that work best for them. In this case, it's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then spending all of their efforts growing those. They're not worried about Pinterest. They're not worried about LinkedIn. Um, and they're not worried about stuff like Snap. Like I think they are on Snapchat, but they're not worried about some of these other channels. So right now, like I said, Instagram and Instagram stories are huge for them. So what they're doing is they're using the Instagram stories to then drive awareness to their other social or other marketing initiatives and campaign. So social media is a great microphone. It's a really great way to tell people about your products, do giveaways, promotions, make it fun. At the end of the day, their their real their goal is entertainment and education around the team. So uh, yeah, this professional team has identified the three channels that are working well for them and then using that to drive awareness for their other marketing initiatives. So you have been awesome. I really appreciate your time. You've given our listeners a lot to think about. And of course, um, we want to know how listeners can get in touch with you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking this. And again, I appreciate you having me on the show. So we actually have a, a great social media podcast at Buffer. Um, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about social media specifically, the podcast is called The Science of Social Media. And then you can find us everywhere across social media at Buffer or, of course, on our blog at blog.buffer.com. And last but not least, if you want to say hi to me on Twitter, I'm Brian underscore G underscore Peters. And you guys do a fantastic job of interacting um, with the social channels. Obviously, you preach it. But um, the way that I got to you guys or to you specifically was via talking to some other people starting on a Facebook conversation. So um, listeners, if you do want to get in touch with them, they are readily available on all those channels. Yeah. And, you know, we like to connect listeners with different products, which we love and, you know, things that we think are great. So if you have any um, tidbits for people that might want to check out Buffer, um, can you point them in that direction? Oh, yes, definitely. So 
you could try out, you can actually try out Buffer for free as a free product. Um, but if you want to try out Buffer for business, we offer users a 14 day free trial. You can check that out at buffer.com slash business. Uh, and we also have a really cool deal. We give a 50% discount on all of our plans to nonprofits. So if you're a nonprofit, we invite you to come check it out 50% off. Um, all of the details there are on buffer.com slash business. And like I said, yeah, feel free to reach out to me on social media. I'll get y'all hooked up. So thanks for letting me plug that. Awesome. Well, Brian, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. We're going to solicit some questions. I'm sure we'll get questions after the show uh, goes out. And uh, maybe we'll have to have you back on the show. How does that sound? That sounds awesome. I, it would be my pleasure. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, y'all. Have a great one. Thanks, Brian. Wow, that was a lot of fun, Mackenzie. What'd you think? I loved it. Yeah, it was really good to hear an outside perspective on how to use social media to drive a business forward, in mm -hmm. the case uh, here at Buffer. Uh, I know we do a lot of the same things here, similar things here at MindFire, so it's always refreshing to hear another perspective. And hopefully you, the listener, were, were able to gain some insights into how you can start to apply this to your own business. And so if you found this useful, Mackenzie, what can people do? First of all, we'd love if you go to our blog and comment. So make sure to give uh, us some love. Yeah, give us some love, but also ask your questions because we yep. we spoke to Brian afterwards when we were finishing up, and he would be open to answering some questions. So he'll come back on the show. Mm -hmm, so you can always email us hello at mindfireinc.com or hello. go ahead. <laughs> thank you. Or go ahead and comment at the bottom of the blog post. Find us on any social media channel in the spirit of our social media conversation mm -hmm. today. And most importantly rate review subscribe we want to continue to bring this content to you and other people out there who can learn from it so let us know uh, what you guys want to hear about and gals of course what you're liking what you want more of and of course rate review and subscribe Alrighty, everyone thanks for joining us we look forward to seeing you again same time same place next week we'll yep. be with you whether whether you're in the car you're on a run. What are some other odd things people if you're do? you're nomad living, come you know, on. Yeah, that was fascinating that was awesome. too, right? Yeah, yes. you love that kind of stuff. I could tell I you. Was, we I, had to cut out about an hour and a half of your side conversation. <laughs> but anyhow, back to the topic at hand. We'd love to see you again <laughs> here next week um, as you continue to join us in this exploration of how to combine a variety of digital media to achieve your lead gen objectives. We'll see you Rock soon. On. All right, guys. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Pixels and Ink podcast with Mackenzie Farsheed and Dave Rosendahl. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit mindfirestudio.com slash blog. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, keep testing your marketing to find out what works for you and your business and get ready for your leads and revenue to grow. We'll see you in the next episode. Okay, I'm ready. You ready? Going all the way. So a little music. Want a chickity check? Yeah. Hey, checklist. Checklist. Right. Don't do anything till I get the checklist. <laughs> <laughs>